Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I want to get right to Philly fan. Philly fan, help me out here. What is the opposite of climbing a greased light pole? What is the opposite of slamming and housing a horse pie sando? Because whatever the opposite of a Philadelphia celebration is, this is what I'm sure is going down right now. I mean, I said it last week, right? I said after last week's evisceration at the hands of the Cowboys, that Philadelphia looked like a broken team. They look broken. They look miserable. They look dysfunctional on both sides of the ball. And that they're not just trending in the wrong direction. They're literally heading right off a cliff. They're trending off of a cliff. I mean, it's bad. Really bad. And whatever is worse is where they are right now. I said all those things prior to last night. So if that's how it was prior to last night, how is it right now? If I were you, Philly fan, right now, I'd find that panic button and I would jump up and down on it because clearly this crew is in full-on panic mode, desperation mode. Now, before meltdown mode, implosion mode before we get to Jalen Hurts who Philly fan is blaming exclusively for this implosion nothing says panic like changing out the defensive play caller this late in the season nothing except giving the play calling duties to none other than Matthew the Ticonderoga And I don't want to hear about how the defense actually played better for most of the game. Because the defense actually played like crap when it mattered most. And it's a defense that allowed a backup quarterback to go 92 yards in 10 plays in 84 seconds. That shows you that they're pushing all the wrong buttons. Including the Ticonderoga button. So Philly... I've got two words for you this morning, and Alvy, I'm going to need it in super, super slow-mo. Philly? Oh! oh! It's got to be even slower than that. Oh! oh! Because things really are that jacked up. They really are that jacked up for the Eagles and enraged Philly fan. Oh! oh. More on Philly in a minute. I want to give Seattle their so-called flowers. That enormous come-from-behind win actually kept their postseason hopes alive. It kept their entire season alive. They were beat. They were done. And then they go the length of the field. So, Seattle, here's what I have for you. What I have for you is... Double rainbow guy. Whoa. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Seattle fans gotta be feeling like that right now, right? Right? Every single Seahawk fan after that outrageous Drew Lock to Jackson Smith and Jigba, the game-winning TD, and for once, double rainbow. Rainbow Guy's reaction is actually appropriate. It's not over the top. 
that is an appropriate reaction to them going right down the field and snatching Philly's soul. That is an incredible throw. Maybe even a better catch. And it's impossible not to feel good for Drew Locke right now. It's also impossible to feel good about the Eagles right now. You know, for a long time, Philadelphia was finding ways to win games that they shouldn't win. Now, all of a sudden, they're finding ways to lose games that they shouldn't lose. And it's happening on the weekly. And giving up a 92-yard, two-minute drive to Drew Locke is one hell of a way to lose. That was more than just a loss. That was a straight-up soul snatch. Turns out, Matt, the Ticonderoga Patricia, was not the answer to Philly's problems on defense. I mean, shocking, right? It turns out that if Matt, the number two pencil, is your answer, then you don't have an answer. The lucky part for the pencil is that there is so much blame to go around. Lots of it. Tons of it. But fair or not, Philly fan is fixating most of the blame, or fixing it, on none other than Jalen Hurts. Like he is taking almost all the heat, almost exclusively. Which Philly fan, frankly, although you know I have your back generally, that's like the most Philly fan thing ever. One second you love this guy, you adore this guy, he's an icon, he's a legend, and the next second he is the entire problem. Even when he's obviously not the entire problem. Now, I'm not saying that he played well last night. He didn't. Ran the ball some, but I'm not saying that this guy played well. But he was far from the only one. He was definitely part of the problem, but not the only problem. Except he made the problem much worse afterwards when he doused the situation with kerosene and then started flicking blue tips, lit blue tips around the podium when he made this comment. I don't think we were... We're all we're, uh, committed enough, you know. You know, just just got to turn it around, you know. You know, it's a challenge. That I don't think we're we're all we're uh, committed enough, you know. You know, just just got to turn it around, you know. You know, it's a challenge that we have to embrace. Just continue to see it through. What do you mean by that, about being committed enough? Commitment. I don't know nothing that if I had a dictionary on me now, um, excuse me. I don't know um, how else to say that. I guess how are you seeing that present itself? Just, you know, it's a matter of being on the same page. Um, it takes everyone being all in um, in all aspects. and. You know, it starts with me. My man, I know you just said that you do not have a dictionary around, but if you did, you should look up the word despondent because that's how you sound. Did somebody just die other than their Super Bowl hopes? Hey, Philly fan, once again, say it with me. Oh, oh. Wow. Never a good sign when the quarterback calls out the team's Commitment. In fact, not only is that never a good sign, it's a really, really bad sign. And I don't think anybody needs a dictionary to understand how big of a problem that is. I'm a little surprised he went there, but it was clearly an honest answer, and it's hard to argue with that dude considering what a sloppy mess they were all the way around last night, himself included. 
And Hertz did say, it does start with me. He said, it starts with him. Except Philly fan had already stopped listening by that point. Philly fan had already gone into full battery chucker mode. Philly fan did not want to hear any excuse or explanation or anything at all from him other than, excuse me, my bad. Excuse me, my bad. My bad. I called it Which wrong. Which he did say. My bad. He did. I got the score. He said, my right. bad. I got to be better. I got to play better. However, that additional addendum, that attachment about how we're not committed enough, that answer boomeranged on that dude badly. Because Philly fan is out for blood this morning, and they're out for his blood. Again, Jalen Hurts did not play real well. He made some really costly mistakes. No question. But again, let's be real. He was far from the only one making costly mistakes last night. He wasn't the one who was on the field for that 92-yard, two-minute drive that ultimately decided that game. I'll tell you who was, though. My dude, James Bradbury. He was on the field, though, and he got cooked for 87 of those 92 yards and the touchdown play. By the way, how about my other dude, Shaq Leonard? Was he on the field last night? At all? Was he? And the hell was Sidney Brown doing all night long outside of whiffing and missing on tackles consistently? Even the legend, Jason Kelsey, has got to share some blame in this. You know, I hate to ever get on that legend. It's almost never necessary for me to get on that legend or anybody else. But he'd be the first one to admit that that false start penalty that he took on third and one at the three-yard line was a massive mistake. Philly was a couple of shoves away from seven. Instead, they had to settle for three, and then, of course, they lost by three. There is a ton of blame to go around. There is a reason that Hurts went out of character and called out the team's commitment. It's because the team has problems. Big problems. They're desperate. They're panicking. And by the way, they should be. A few weeks ago, they were 10-1 and and looking at the top seed. Three losses later, they're now in the five hole, and they're looking up at Tampa Bay. Philly fan, you can try to put it all on Hurts. But again, if you do that, you're ignoring the team's obvious problems. And there's plenty of them. Did I mention that garbage defense? Hell, the defensive coaching has been so awful, they actually had to turn to Matt the Ticonderoga to try to save them. That's how bad it's been. And of course, that decision is already backfiring spectacularly. And the blame for that goes to Nick Sirianni. He was the one who took full credit for that decision after the game. Yeah, I made the decision. Um, I did what I thought I needed to do in the, in the best interest of the, the football team. I didn't feel like, um, you know, made some adjustments there. I didn't feel like we were playing well enough and coaching well enough on defense, so I made an adjustment. Um, and it was my decision, and that's, what, and that's what I did. So I've got to tell you guys about this. The other day, I come across a product that all of us should be carrying around. It's something totally different for fresh breath. It's an amazing product called Zellman's Minty Mouth, and I'm telling you, it's a game changer. If you're up in the grill with somebody else and you're making your case for whatever it is, make sure your breath is fresh. 
Zellman's cleans your breath in a way that other mints don't and can't because it's not just a mint. It's a functional breath freshener capsule that you swallow. Clinically tested against the toughest offenders like garlic and onions. You just pop two or three in your mouth. You suck the minty coating. Then you swallow the capsule for the confidence of fresh, clean breath, and it lasts for hours. This product is like nothing else you've ever tried. It fights bad breath in your mouth, and then it goes right down to your gut. This is the ultimate hack to get rid of coffee, garlic, or smoker's breath. You're going to like having the confidence of long-lasting fresh breath or your money back guaranteed. These folks will give you your money back. Not that you'll want it, but they will. They have free shipping if you order three packs or more. Trust me, you're going to want more, and nobody likes to pay for shipping. Go to Zellman's.com right now. That's Z-E-L-M-I-N-S.com right now. You'll get 15% off when you use my promo code ROAM. That's Z-E-L-M-I-N-S dot com. You have to use the code Rome to get your 15% savings. Do it now. Yo, Philly fan, your beloved head coach thought that giving the pencil more responsibility was, quote, in the best interest of your football team. Yet, you're all focused on your quarterback. Again, I'm not absolving the quarterback of blame. I'm just saying you got way bigger problems right now than your quarterback. Hey, Nick, what happened to less thinking equals talent takeover? Less thinking equals talent takeover. What happened to that? Hey, Nick, what happened to I don't hear bleep anymore, Chiefs fans? What happened to that? What happened to I don't hear bleep anymore, Chiefs fans? Hey, dude, are you hearing enough bleep right now, Nick? Because you've got a full-on bleep storm on your hands. Ever since you yelled that out, your team then immediately turned around and lost three of their next four. And bad, bad, bad losses. Beatdowns. Implosions. Bad losses. In other words, tough looks all around for Philadelphia. And pretty damn good vibes all around for Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Welcome back to the playoff race. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Alvy. Thanks so much. Hey, Seattle. Welcome back to the playoff race. Hey, Seattle. Way to keep your playoff hopes alive in the most dramatic way possible. Hey, Seattle. What do you say you and me... Watch this absolutely incredible game-winning TD once again, Seattle. Shotgun snap, three-man rush. Lock throws, long pass down the far sideline, caught over the shoulder. It's grabbed, Smith and Jenga, touchdown, touchdown, Seattle, touchdown. The Seahawks have taken the lead. 28 seconds to go. And one of the big storylines, Matt Patricia takes over. The defensive play calling for the Eagles. I talked about two-man on the play before this. He decides to drop down and go one-on-one on the outside. And Smith and Jigba beats Bradbury once again. And a perfect throw by Locke. I'll tell you what, it does not get much better than that. Except for maybe Locke's on-field post-game interview with Lisa Salters. I would call the whole thing amazing, but Drew is right. Amazing does not begin to do justice to that game. 
and that ending and that throw and that catch. Amazing won't do it justice. Amazing won't do it justice, but amazing also doesn't do justice with the O-line, what DK did on that catch, what the receivers did, what Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet did all game long, the tight ends, man. It takes a special group to rally around a guy that, you know, has come into his second game of the year, right? Used to the same thing all year long, same cadence, same spin of the ball, everything. For a team like that, not just the offense, the defense to rally around me tonight, man, that was, that was amazing. I see some, I hear some emotion in your voice. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. Blessed with a great group of guys, a great city, great coaching staff. It's just, it's, it's awesome. It's a wow. Seriously, one of the best on-field post-game interviews ever. The only thing missing was Locke hitting her with a, they wrote me off, but I ain't right back, though. It's like the Seahawks lead the league in inspirational quarterbacks. Impossible not to be happy for that guy this morning. Unless, of course, you're a Philly fan, then it's probably not possible to be happy about anything this morning. Then again, you guys do love being miserable, right? If that's the case, I would imagine the Eagles can hit you with a, you're welcome. Because there is an absolute ton to be miserable about right now in Philly. How about after that TD, when cameras caught Drew Locke on the sideline screaming, put that effing bleep on, mother bleeper. It was kind of like, I mean, if you saw that, those who can read lips saw that. It's kind of like Jake Browning from Sunday going with, quote, you should have never bleeping cut me. Should have never cut me. It's amazing. Top of his lungs. You should have never bleeping cut me. Should have never cut me. I'm telling you, these NFL scriptwriters really took this season to the next level, right? We're talking Academy Award for best original screenplay level at this rate. After the Steelers v. Bengals this Saturday, it's almost inevitable that Mason Rudolph is going to get the win on a miraculous TD, find the nearest camera, and scream into it, You should have never started Tiny Hands Over Me! You should have never started Tiny Hands Over Me! Tiny Hands. Tiny Hands. Bleep Trubisky! Tiny Hands. Tiny Mitch Trubisky. Wild stuff. Yo, Philly, get up in here. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Probably so. Listen, this time don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Grab instead a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. That's my go-to. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. Plus, Old Trapper is a family-owned business. I know this family, and I know they take smoked beef extremely seriously so you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating an old shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors, old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? 
good friend of the program. He is Dennis Dodd. He joins us via Zoom. Dennis, good to have you back in the jungle. How you doing? Sticks earlier this month at the Aria in Las Vegas. The high temperature in Eagle River yesterday was 27 degrees. So I am ready to go. You are ready to go. My man, you got me all covered. <laughs> For those who missed it, you went to Javier's in Vegas. Give it to me straight. How was the experience? Uh, it was great. The shrimp enchiladas are the go-to. The chips are the best uh, Mexican chips uh, I've had. Uh, and that was the first place I went to. It was a conference there for where we saw Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, announce these sweeping, his sweeping proposal. But I got off the plane, got an Uber, went right, right to the casino in, uh, in the Aria and Javier's. It was great. Well played. Dennis Dodd joining us. All right, Dennis, before we talk about the bowl season, including the national championship game, the transfer portal continues to generate major news. Oregon chases the addition of Oklahoma QB Dylan Gabriel by getting a commitment from UCLA quarterback Dante Moore yesterday. As the Ducks get ready for the Fiesta Bowl, how much does Dan Lanning bolster that roster heading into his first season in the Big Ten? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, look, he's already got Dylan Gabriel, who led Oklahoma to the number three scoring spot in the country last year, had the best year of his career, uh, and then goes to Oregon. You go, oh, okay, uh, they've got their guy. They're fine. And then he persuades Dante Moore, who struggled at times at UCLA but has huge upside, to come there and basically, I'm thinking, sit out a year before he takes over for Dylan Gabriel. It doesn't look like there'll be a competition. And so he's just loading up on quarterbacks through the portal. One of the few times I think we've seen it in the portal era where you got multiple guys who can play who are going to lead the program. He's stacking quarterbacks. You know, this portal experience so far since December 4th when it opened has been about quarterbacks. And if you got a quarterback, you've got a chance. I don't know. Uh, we can get into this. I don't know if you can flip a roster. I don't know if we've learned that for sure, even with Dion and Lincoln Riley, but for sure, for sure, you can get yourself a quarterback. Dennis Dodd joining us to that point. Dennis, what about a five-star quarterback? What about a five-star quarterback like Dylan Riola flipping from Georgia to Nebraska? Let me get your reaction to that decision. And then how big of a signing is that for Nebraska? Well, it's huge. Um, they haven't had a quarterback in years, arguably, since the Scott Frost era began. Maybe Adrian Martinez, but that's even a maybe. Uh, they need a quarterback to contend. And this is a huge get for Nebraska, the most highly rated prospect in Nebraska history. And that's saying a lot going back in their history. I had been texting with the father. Uh, I met with the dad last summer in Scottsdale just to do a story on his recruitment. And they had already decommitted from Ohio State, and he was going to Georgia. The whole family had moved to Buford, Georgia. I think he told me that they had made seven unofficial visits to Georgia before they made their official. They were entirely bought in. And then as this word kind of leaked out that, look, uh, Dylan Rayola is going to visit Nebraska, and I'm going, what? Okay, I get that his uncle is the offensive line coach. I get that his dad was a was a was a legendary he won the Remington Award as a center for the Cornhuskers, but this is a kid who won one coaching quarter uh, quarterback throwing coach Jim told me who works with NFL prospects that Dylan Rayola has a chance to be better than Patrick Mahomes. Now I know hyperbole is crazy in this game, but that's how he that's how he is viewed, and he goes to Nebraska. This is huge. Again, I I, I texted his dad. As this was going on, I said, is this real? And he said, the kid just, he's just an 18-year-old playing out the process. 
wanting to take a visit. And look what Matt Rule did. He flipped him from Georgia to go to Nebraska. So they've got their foundation now for the next at least three years. Love to see it. Dennis Dodd joining us. All right, Dennis, taking nothing away from the 40-plus bowl games or all those teams that earn those spots, but get me to the final year of the current playoff format. Why don't we talk about the top seed Michigan going up against number four seed Alabama in the Rose Bowl in the first national semi semifinal. What do you make of Nick Saban hiring a former Michigan linebackers coach to be a, quote, special assistant for the Tide heading into the Rose Bowl? Well, there you go. That's Nick Saban. I mean, he's he's the king of, uh, of career rehabilitation. I mean, you could fill a book with it. You've got, you know, you, you've got Lane Kiffin. You've got Steve Sarkeesian. You've got scores of Butch Jones, who's at Arkansas State. Now, scores of guys that have gone through there and rehabbed their career. Um, I don't know if this is that. But certainly, it's a chance to look inside the Michigan program, as you would probably figure out. Um, and Michigan knows a little bit of something about that, don't they? Um, looking at other people's programs. But, you know, with Nick Saban, look, is there's a lot of rumblings that this may be his walk-off if he wins this thing. Just being around him a little bit this season, I've never seen him more content. In other words, I, as many people have said, I think this is his best coaching job. If you were around that team... Uh, after the during and after the Texas game, obviously their their largest non-conference home loss since 2004, and then in a lot of ways even worse the next week against UCF in Week Three when Jalen Milrow gets benched, um, knowing they can kind of slog through this horrible game against against USF and still win, you wouldn't have given uh, you know a dollar for this team's chances in getting to the playoff. I think I said out loud on somebody's show, this looks like a four-loss team. And at that point, they did. This is clearly his best coaching job. It doesn't have the most talent, but they've come along. And now Jalen Milrow's athleticism has been able to shine through where he's now a difference maker, a guy that's get it, that got votes for the Heisman, a guy that could be the difference maker against Michigan. So, you know, we, we went through this uh, mishmash about Florida State not getting in. I think two things can be through, true right now. Florida State got screwed. We've had that discussion. But also these two games, Jim, are the best the CFP has had in its history, in its 10-year history. Dennis Dodd joining us. Dennis, go back to Nick Saban for a minute. I could see Alabama beating Michigan. And if Alabama beats Michigan, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. But if you were to walk off on that, who could you see replacing him? And who's going to want to follow the GOAT? Well, I think you'd have to give a call to Sark. Um, you know, I, I know Dabo through through the grapevine really, really wants it, but I don't know if the state of the Clemson program would allow him to get that job. I don't know if he I'm not saying that definitively, but you got to ask yourself, is Clemson on the way up or is it on the way down? I don't mean down, down. I mean, down to mediocrity where they're, they're not in the playoff every year because that's the standard that he set at Clemson. So I think you got to lob. You got to lob a call to Sark to see if he wants to come. I mean, he's gotten Texas back. Uh, there are others. There are others in the NFL that would come. Uh, so it, it would be interesting. You know, it, never be the guy to follow the guy. I think we've learned that time and time again. But somebody's going to get, if it happens, a loaded roster and a legacy to live up to that is unparalleled. Talking to Dennis Dodd. Dennis, what about the other matchup in the semis? you got number two seed Washington going up against the three seed Texas, who you just mentioned in the Sugar Bowl. You know both teams have tremendous star power at quarterback with Michael Penix Jr. and Quinn Ewers, but questionable defenses. Who do you favor in that matchup? What do you think it comes down to? 
I've got Texas winning the whole thing. When I was asked to pick on Selection Sunday, I've got Texas winning the whole thing. Number one, it's the best team they've had since 2009 when they lost to Alabama in that BCS championship game. I don't think I'm going out on a limb in saying that. But um, they've lost They've lost the running back. C.J. Baxter, the, uh, the fill-in, the freshman, has been absolutely incredible. They've got a, a, you know, a serviceable running game. The receiver is some of the best in the country. Xavier Worthy is a is a breakaway threat. Quinn Ewers looks like he's at the top of his game. And that's the biggest question I had about Texas. Quinn Ewers was good. He was never great. He's kind of bordering on great now. And we all we all know about Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. But the thing about Washington is as good a season as they had, and look, I can make a great case for them being number one in the CFP rankings, given their strength of schedule and who they beat. Jim, they are 93rd in the country in total defense. If they win this thing, that would be by far the worst uh, defense ever to win a national championship in the BCS era since 1998. I just think Texas is on a roll. They're a complete team. Sark is at the top of his game. And whoever they play against Michigan and Alabama, and nobody, nobody's really talking about Texas to win the whole thing, I don't think. Washington's a good story offensively. Michigan and Alabama are the two blue bloods. But Texas has already beaten Alabama. If you're a college football fan, you got to be rooting for Texas-Alabama, too, and the championship game and let the chips fall where they may. I agree with you. He is a national college football writer for CBS Sports, also a CBS Sports HQ contributor, good, good friend of the program. He is Dennis Dodd. Dennis, great to get caught up. In fact, you knew I had to run you down before the end of the year. We'll do it again early next year, and it's always good to have you on. Dennis, thanks so much. Jim, a pleasure. Thanks. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. We are joined right now by Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle, good to have you back. How are you? Jim, I'm doing good, man. Uh, you didn't have to put out my draft year there. 2013, you know, it's kind of dating me right now, but uh, I appreciate you having me on. Bro, I, I feel you. You know, and I thought about it too. I was kind of like, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I ended up on the side of that's a really good thing because you're still playing at a high level and you've been in this thing. In fact, I'm going to follow you right there. I'm going to ask you right off the top, Kyle, 11 years in, you've played the game your entire life. What is it that you love so much about the game and what does it mean to you even now? Man, there, there's so much. Um, but the biggest thing just about football in general that I love is its ability to bring people together. Um, you know, to come into a locker room, people from all over the world, um, coming from all different circumstances, and we're all working towards a common goal. Uh, and we all become, you know, so tight knit, best friends. Um, and what it does for communities as well, you know, like fans banding together, everybody coming together on Sundays to watch their favorite teams, to root for everyone. And uh, I just think football is just such a, an incredible tool of bringing people together. And that's why I just have so much respect for the game and love for the game. And um, that's why 11 years uh, professionally, I'm still doing it. 
I was going to say, Kyle, it takes such a phenomenal commitment, you know, the grind, the preparation, the details, everything that goes into it. Have you lost any love of that? Or do you still love every aspect of that, too? Uh-oh. Kyle. Are we back? Yeah, yeah, I got you now. Yeah. I, did you hear that question or no? Yeah, did you hear my response? I did not. No, I got you now, though. You're back now. So go ahead and take a shot well, at that hey, I'll run it back. Yeah, please. <laughs> Appreciate you. Go ahead. Uh, my love of the game, it really it, it stems from what um, I think football can do to bring people together. Uh, when you're in a locker room, everyone's coming from different circumstances all over the country, all over the world, and we come together to work towards one common goal. Um, and nothing uh, brings people together more uh, than shared experiences through working together through hard times and trying to work together on one thing um, with each other. And I think for fans as well, everybody's, you know, got their favorite team and on Sundays they all come together and, and root for their team. And uh, I just think that football is just the ultimate tool uh, to bring people together. And that's why I just have such a love and a, a respect for just the game in general. I get that. So Kyle, let me ask you this. You, you win the NFC Western title with the win over the Cardinals. That's the first time in Kyle Shanahan's career that he's gone back to back with this team as divisional champs. It shows you how hard it is to win in that league. Given that fact, do you stop and celebrate the divisional title or does that feel like business as usual and you have much bigger goals in front of you? Um, you know, it's a little bit of both. Like you said, it really is. It is so hard to win in this league and, um, it gets taken for granted, uh, when you've strung, you know, back-to-back -back seasons together like this. And I remember uh, as a young player, my second year in the league in Baltimore, um, we made it to the second round of the playoffs. We were a really good team. And I was like, man, now, now that we won, like this is going to happen every season. And I didn't get back to the playoffs for another five years. Um, so every season is a new season. And I do think it's important that you take at least just a second to celebrate these victories um, because you work so hard for them and they are so hard to get. I think it's important that, you know, in football and in life in general, um, that you got to celebrate these these wins um, because it's not easy to do and you put so much into it. Uh, but for us, you know, we celebrated after the game. We got our hats, our T-shirts. We took some pictures. That was awesome. And like truly genuinely enjoyed that but you're right like we have so much more to accomplish and we're moved on to such bigger things uh right away and you know we're, we're lucky to be in that situation uh that's not always the case it, a lot of times it's not to the last game of the season that you get to celebrate like that so for us to be able to do that and still have three games to go uh just shows what a strong team and what a awesome position we're in right now. Kyle Juszczyk joining us. Kyle, you and I have both mentioned the Ravens, so let me ask you about Christmas Day, Niners v. Ravens. It does not get much better than that, unless maybe you used to play for the Ravens, then maybe it does. I don't know. Does facing them have any added personal significance for you at this stage of your career? Um, Minimal. It, it does a little bit. You know, anytime you get to go against your former team, you know, a team that, um, you know, quite bluntly, they didn't bring me back. Um, so it's always, you know, adds a little bit of extra fuel, but, uh, you know, I've been away from that organization for seven years now that there's really not a lot of people still there from when I was there. I, I honestly, off the top of my head, I can't think of any players. I know there's some coaches, um, but you know, there, there's a little added uh, motivation there, but it, it's, it's nothing crazy.
I got you. So when you look at Kyle Shanahan's scheme and play calling, Kyle, obviously it's it's so well-respected around the league for its creativity, for its innovation, but the Niners can line you up and punch you in the mouth and play really physical ball as well. I'm curious, what's it like for you personally to be a part of that offense, and how do you see your responsibilities? Man, I take so much pride in that um, because I think – at the end of the day, like what we hang our hat on is being physical, like as an offense, as a team in general, if you're not physical um, and you play for the San Francisco 49ers, like you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. Like anytime we bring in somebody new, uh, you know, we draft somebody, bring in someone in free agency. And if right away, um, if they're not playing at our standard, like it's so noticeable. And so for me uh, in my role, like, I, I feel like I need to embrace that because I'm one of the original guys that Kyle um, brought in seven years ago. I was one of those first free agents that's still here. Um, and I feel like I've been able to see that culture be, be built and see exactly you know what Kyle has wanted. Um, and it means so much to me that he's kept me around this entire time because that means that I've fit that standard, that I've fit what he's been looking for. Um, so I go out and try to you know, show these guys uh, exactly what we're, you know, we're trying to do as far as being physical. And then I'm also trying to match uh, what my teammates are doing. I mean, you see the way that Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, uh, George Kittle, the way they run the ball, the way they get yards after contact, um, everyone inspires one another. And then the way we, everybody blocks for each other in the run game. Um, it doesn't matter if you're getting the ball, um, you know, 12 times a game, whatever it is, uh, you're going to go block your tail off because you know the other guy's going to do the same thing for you. So it's a really cool thing that we got going here. Right? If you're that talented and you're that unselfish and you're that physical and you're healthy, chances are you're not going to lose very often. In fact, let me put it to you that way, Kyle, because the team is pretty healthy right now, finally. Do you feel like you are the most complete team in the NFL and that your best will beat everybody else's best? Ah, man, you're setting me up for some bulletin board material here, I feel like. But uh, I will say that we're extremely confident in what we have. And we do feel like we have a very complete team. um, And we're ready to go toe-to-toe with anybody on Sundays. And uh, when we're healthy, I I mean, we've always felt like that was was our ceiling. That if we're healthy, we can be the best team in this league. And um, right now, we feel like we're performing at that level. Uh, But what I'm always cautious of... And it's it's so easy to get labeled as and the best team in this category, the, the best team in this. You know, you look at your ranking and that's all awesome. That's that's good stuff. Um, but it never guarantees anything. You know, at the end of the day, you still got to play the game. And it doesn't matter if we're the best team in the league and we're playing the worst team in the league. Yeah, we probably have a better chance. Um, odds are in our favor. But at the end of the day, like nothing's 100%. So we still got to go out there and prove it each week. Yeah, right, Kyle. Like any given Sunday is one of the oldest and most played cliches. But now more than ever, I mean, week to week in that league, you never know what's going to happen. So I appreciate what you're saying. You know, I spoke to George Kittle a few weeks back, and I asked him to explain what makes Brock Purdy so unique. And he talked about... Purdy's done this amazing job of building relationships with every single member of the offense and beyond. And then he talked about the command that he has in the huddle. What's your take on what Brock brings to the team, both as a player and as a leader? Yeah, I think George is exactly right in the way he's built relationships with everybody. He's a very personable guy, very easy to talk to, very easy to get along with. Um, But as far as a player, I think it's just been, it's his consistency. And I think, 
uh, that comes from his preparation. I, I, it's really impressive to see how he goes through a week and how he prepares for an opponent, just how hard this guy really studies. Um, you know, there, there's not a lot of BS in with Brock, uh, during the week, you know, we'll, we'll do our install and everybody, and we'll break the meeting and everyone's moving on to their next meeting, going to another room. And Brock is always still in his chair for an extra few minutes. Last guy out of the room, still going over his, his play calls, going over his pictures. Like this guy is just dialed in all week. Um, but I think that's why he's been so consistent this year. And I think that's why he's put up the numbers he has like week in week out, like Brock has really been the same guy and he's played at that high level every single week. Hmm. So Kyle, one last thought, the modern game of course is so pass oriented that the fullback position or whatever you want to call it at this point might not be as prominent as it used to be, but how much pride do you take in playing a role that hardcore Niner fans have embraced since guys like Tom Rathman were opening up holes back in the day? I take huge pride in that. I mean, that's everything for me. And the fact that, like you said, we're in an age now where um, it's a much more pass oriented league. Um, but I've been able to stick around and, you know, be a key player in what's arguably the best offense in the league. So um, maybe we're doing things right, you know, keeping a fullback around and and keeping me involved. Uh, so I think that just shows um, what an impact a fullback can still have on this game. All right, so I'm not going to say what year you were drafted, but he was drafted by the Ravens out of Harvard back in the day. He earned his seventh consecutive Pro Bowl selection, <laughs> and they are on a six-game winning streak. Kyle, great to have you on the show. Really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. That was great. Yeah, always talk, good talking to you, Jim. U.S. Cellular wants to help everybody get the gift of connection this holiday season. Already a customer? This applies to you, too, because right now, new and current customers can get any phone, and I mean any phone, for free. Yes, really free. Sounds like it's time to make the switch. Spread holiday cheer far and wide this season with a new phone. Everybody can get the gift of connection at U.S. Cellular. Get any phone free today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Now, if you know me at all, you know there's nothing I'd love to see more than the Corn Huskers getting some buzz. And right now, Husker Nation is buzzing, and they should be because it happened. It is official. They landed a five-star quarterback recruit in Dylan Riola, a.k.a. a top 10 overall prospect in the 2024 class, a.k.a. the number two quarterback in the 2024 class. And Matt Rule did not just bag himself a five-star guy. He didn't just bag a five-star quarterback. He swiped that five-star quarterback from Kirby Smart and Georgia. And now that five-star QB is coming home to Lincoln. Not technically home, but his dad is a Lincoln legend. Likes to fight Dom. Is Nebraska royalty. Hopefully that's exactly how his son is going to be remembered as well. Now, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee you anything, Husker fan. When it comes to an 18-year-old college football recruit, there are no guarantees, right? Especially not in the age of the portal. But I can say this. It is a great, great thing for Matt Rule. And it's okay to get hyped about this. Maybe even hyped enough to take your shirts off especially since y'all just got over on the two-time defending national champs. I mean, if not for that, then when? How often does Lincoln get to get hyped about anything like this?
I'll also say this. Riola's social media announcement cracked me up. Now, I'm not sure if he was trying to be funny or what his intended troll level was. All I know is I've never, ever seen a player announce a college football commitment with a poem. Yes, these social media commitments have gotten more and more extravagant, more and more over the top, more and more extreme, more and more zany, more and more creative. But I've never seen anybody drop straight up stanzas to announce a commitment before. In fact, it's pretty amazing that anyone is excited enough about joining this program to go all Edgar Allan Poe with it, which is why I'm all for it. In fact, I would like to read it for you all right now, since I know you're curious by now what I'm talking about. Alvin, I need you to set the mood. Can we get some proper music? This is what he dropped. Quote, In the realm of college dreams, where purpose takes flight, enter Dylan Riola, crafting his narrative in the night. Once lured by Georgia, where powerhouse glory gleamed, yet Nebraska's purpose in his heart brightly beamed. In the scarlet and cream, where legacies entwine, Dylan, like Rogers, Rogier and Crouch, a hero in the line. No longer a cog in some powerhouse machine, but a quarterback with an even grander ambition unseen. So fellow fans await with hope in the air for Dylan to choose his purpose to declare. In a weekend's decision, destiny calls to fulfill his purpose where a new dynasty enthralls. Bravo. 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 Dude. Bravo. That was so awesome. And believe me, I know a thing or two about poetry and poets. Okay, since I'm about to go spend Christmas hanging out by T.S. Eliot's famous lakeside boathouse where he shacked up to write, create, and think. A boathouse I happen to own now. So yes, that qualifies as poetry, and I would know because I am a poetry authority. Ask me. This young man now is right up there with the great American poets. Poe, Frost, Whitman, Cummings, Dickinson, Eliot, Riola. Huskers, you need to make this dude the Nebraska State Poet. And yes, there is an actual thing. And it has five-year terms. And the current dude's term is up in 2024. So this is a no-brainer. Five-star player, five-year term. It matches up. Dylan Riola is not just your new hope at quarterback. He is your new state poet. And before you clones come running up in here, 
clowning the dude for dropping a poem, save it. For most of you, your idea of a poem is a haiku. And generally, you can't even count the syllables. You can't even get that right when you send in your haikus. It's a very specific format. 575. It's not 92418. It's not three lines of anything you want. That's what makes a haiku a haiku. 575. 575. It's not 24, 13, 36. There, Rome, how come you didn't read my haiku? Because it's three long sentences. It's not a haiku. So don't come running up in here, coming for this guy, when you can't even get that right. And for some reason, many of you try and do this every single day. So y'all can't say Jack. I don't want to hear it. And besides that, let Husker fan have this, okay? If this dude is excited enough about being a Husker to write a poem, an awesome poem at that, I think that's an awesome thing. And if Husker fan is all fired up, that also is awesome. Because we all know college football is better when Husker Nation is thriving. And it's been a long time since we could say that. And now we have a long way to go to get there, yes. But swiping the poet from the Bulldogs is definitely a very, very good sign. Hey, Dylan, let me help you reach your audience, or at least this audience, the clones. Here's the thing. I know you didn't mean to. I know you spoke from your heart. But when it comes to my audience, you're talking over their heads, dog. You just are. So let me help you. What you need to do to connect with this audience is dumb it down. You have to dumb it down. Too many verses like those We'll lose them. You had me. I loved it. But we have to go haiku with my audience. 575. 575. Alvin, may I have some haiku music? 575. This is what you need to do. Sucks for you, Georgia. Taking my talents back home. I'm a corn husker. That's how that's done. It's not that hard. Or, hey, Georgia Bulldogs, you thought I was going there? Ha 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 ha. Or maybe a bulldog response. Maybe a bulldog response in the form of haiku. Again, may I have some music, please, Alvin? Dylan, are you nuts? They have sex with dead dogs there. Enjoy the meth clown. Did that help? Take some of the sting? Did that take some of the sting out of that Georgia fan? Hey, Alvin, stop the music. I'll do that again for Georgia fan. Alvin, may I have some music, please? A haiku submitted by a Georgia fan. Dylan, are you nuts? They have sex with dead dogs there. Enjoy the meth, clown. I love poetry. Good night now!